Welcome to the Whole Life Healing Podcast with Dr. Alexander Lloyd, best-selling author and founder of the Revolutionary Healing Codes Technique. Each week, Dr. Alex shares principles and methods from psychology, energy medicine, natural medicine, and spirituality to help you reduce stress, heal emotional and physical issues, and remove the barriers that hold you back from happiness and success. Join us as we learn to live our happiest, healthiest, and most successful lives. Here's Dr. Alex. Hi, Dr. Alex here. If you like the show today or any day, I would love it if you took about 10 seconds to go to iTunes and leave a review for the show. I've been doing this for about 14 years now, and I spend hundreds of hours every year in preparation and recording the show. And if you like it, if it's worth your time, if you think it might benefit others, I would love it if you could leave a review to recommend to your friends or just recommend it to your friends that could benefit from listening to the show. Thank you so very much. Since we are going to be talking about issues of health and well-being, we wanted to make sure that you understand that this information is not intended to cure or heal anything. Everything in the presentations is the opinion of Alex Lloyd. You should always check with a licensed healthcare provider about any specific health concern you may have. Hi, I'm Dr. Alex Lloyd, and welcome to the new Jesus. Um, let's review just a little bit before we move on. Um, here's where we were uh, a couple of weeks ago. Jesus shows up on the scene, shaking things up, says, be perfect. We're built for relationships. We're built to prioritize relationships and love. If we live any other way, prioritizing anything else, we malfunction physically, mentally, emotionally, hormonally, pretty much in every way. Um, we're also programmed to seek pleasure and avoid pain. It's tied to our survival instinct. It is our most basic programming. And um, the reason for that is that we have to have a choice. The whole purpose of this life and Christianity and the church and the kingdom, the whole purpose of all of this is love. But for love to exist, there has to be a fairly equal choice not to love. If love is mandated, that's not love at all. In fact, it eliminates love. So we have to have a choice, and that is to focus on selfish, seek pleasure, avoid pain, and yeah, I'll be kind to you as long as I'm getting what I want, when I want, for the most part. But if you start messing up my pleasure, pain stuff, then I may quit loving you, uh, etc. And, and, and to me, that is um, not really love. I call that love A, which we'll talk about uh, in a minute. But what you want is love B. But you have to have a choice. So because it comes down to choice, it's all about your beliefs, okay? And you never do anything that you don't believe. A hundred percent of the time you do what you do believe. But you can have competing beliefs about the same thing, okay? And, and that's, that's where kind of the spiritual struggle is, the spiritual warfare, is we, we, about most things, have competing beliefs, 
okay? I should eat a half gallon of ice cream even though I'm on a diet because I really need it right now and I'll start back over tomorrow. And then another belief that's, no, I shouldn't do that. I keep doing that. If I keep gratifying myself today and saying we'll start tomorrow, I'm, I'm never, I'm never going to get off the ground because I do that most days. Or I'm going to start not drinking as much tomorrow. Or I'm going to start spending more time with my family tomorrow. Or whatever else. In, in a lot of ways, tomorrow never comes for most people. Um, and that the problem with choice is pain. We have a misperception, a wrong perception of what pain is. It's really like a five-year-old perception. Feels good, it's good. Feels bad, pain, it's bad. Okay? And, and that's how we're supposed to think until we get to 6, 8, 10, 12, uh, that age where we can logic and reason for ourselves and all of that. But once we get to 6, 8, 10, 12, we're supposed to start to choose what is right, what is love-based, what is truthful, not on the basis of whether it's going to be painful or pleasurable. We're supposed to stop living that way at an early age, and very few of us ever do. So we have to have a right understanding of pain. Alright? And then, where we are today is you have to know where you are. And that's where I left off last week is I wrote a note to myself on the other side of this board to remind myself uh, to talk today about discovering, okay, you're at the first of this journey. Where are you? Okay? Because it's very difficult to figure out uh, how you're going to get to any destination if you don't know where you are. You have to have a start point and an end point. Go to one of the um, map things on the internet. If you don't have a starting point, it'll, it, it, it'll keep saying you, mu you must enter a starting point. You must enter a starting point. Okay? It can't do it. Enter a starting point and then it gives you a how to get there. Alright? Well today is determining where you are, all right? And um, most people don't realize where they are. I certainly didn't, Hope didn't, the great majority of my clients don't, okay? And we're, so we're going to get into that today. But last week was a discussion of pain and that um, your beliefs are tied to your pain paradigm, okay? And that's what causes us to get off track. Okay, let's review just a little bit more here. Here you are on the journey. This is every day at the start of the day and 20, 30 times during the day. Which road am I going to take? Uh, the wide road is the low road. The narrow road is the high road. Okay, uh, the problem in wanting to improve my life, live a better life, uh, have a closer to my best possible life, which I assume is why you're here. The problem is there's a 97% failure rate going back 75 years. Uh, I checked internet and it's not 40 or 50, it's at least 75. 97% failure rate at being able to do that. 
99% more or less relapse rate for any significant habit or addiction, also going back 75 years or so. And according to the FBI, everybody lies and nobody changes, which reinforces these, all right? Because to lie is choosing fear. To lie, unless, unless it's a life or death situation, which is, which is different, but if it's not a life or death situation, a lie is seek pleasure, avoid pain. You lie to either get something or get out of it. Get out of something. Okay? But on the other hand, there's hope. Because we've seen in wonderful research, not just scripture, it's in scripture too, and we've talked about that. But in the mainstream, in fact, Harvard, Stanford here, uh, happiness equals love. Full stop. Uh, another one from Harvard. Expectations are happiness killers. Expectation of a certain end result. That's why love focuses in the present in love and gives up the end result to God or to love, to your unconscious, however you want to think of that. All right? And then Stanford, Dr. Bruce Lipton says, it's all about your beliefs, whether you will be happy and experience love or not happy and experience frustration, whether you have expectations that spike your stress and so they kill your happiness. It's all about your beliefs, even on a cellular physio physiological level. Your beliefs determine whether your cell is open or closed. Open is life, closed is death basically. Okay? And as I said earlier, 100% of the time you do what you believe. All right? And that we need to get to a place where we're doing belief and love like brushing our teeth only six, eight, ten times a day. You can't just say, okay, I'm committed to belief and love and then go on about your day as if nothing is different. No. You have to prioritize that in everything about your day. And it's really hard at first because you're breaking a habit. And breaking a habit is 99% relapse rate. But the way we're doing it, I believe from 30 years of working with clients through this stuff, it will really work because I believe it is in conjunction with, with Scripture and the Word, which means the way God built us to work and the way God built nature to work. Only I believe we've misunderstood that uh, pretty badly. So this was uh, two weeks ago, actually. And then, got to pull this out to flip it. And then last week, and here's, here's my note to myself where we ended to talk about where you are, and we're going to do that, but still reviewing. We've got those same situations over here, but here's the way this stuff works, and you might write these down, or uh, uh, maybe we can provide them in a PDF or something, but uh, here's the way it works. Physical peace, emotions, thoughts, everything, all right? You decide to change or 
you decide to change something negative in your life and you know it's negative or you just decide I want to go up to the next higher level of my life. You set off on the journey. You find the whole truth, not just part of it. Uh, watch the last couple of weeks to get the full details of this. You meditate and pray over the whole truth when you find it. You don't decide what you're going to believe. You meditate and pray over it until you discover yourself believing. Okay? Uh, some kind of an aha. Then you recommit to the whole truth. Focus daily like brushing your teeth. Then you continue the journey. No, you don't find one truth and change one area and then go sit on the couch for six years. You change one thing, become better, go up to a, a higher level. All right, let's keep searching, go up to another higher level and then another higher level. All right? Uh, and that's the passage out of Proverbs. Always be open to new truths. In fact, look for them. That's Solomon and Proverbs. And if you go through this and stay the course, now you're free from the law, which is what has to happen because here's what the law does. If you, if you don't get free from the law, the more sin, the, the, the more law, the more sin. In fact, that's what the law was created for. The more sin, the more guilt. The more guilt, the more pain. The more pain, the more searching, because pain is uncomfortable. It gets you out of your seat. I've got to find something to stop this pain. Uh, the, more, the more pain, the more you search for the truth, the more truth you find, the more new beliefs. The more new beliefs, that leads you to more love, joy, peace, instead of anxiety, unforgiveness, low self-worth, etc. The more love, the more free from the law. And when you're free from the law, you're plugged into supernatural law, which is um, happiness, love, success, your best life, or close to it. And you have chosen life. I've set before you life and death. Choose life. If you, if you decide to continue to choose the law, or what I call love A, which I'll explain more in a minute. Here's what happens. Um, that's choosing sin, and, and, and choosing the law causes sin to increase, guilt increase, pain to increase, your symptoms to increase, your symptoms worsen, and then eventually death. Physically, mentally, spiritually, or all three. Um, now, why in the world would you do this? Well, either you won't search or if you search, you won't give up your willpower because you feel like you can't give up the end result to God because if this happens, I won't be okay. And if that doesn't happen, I won't be okay. Um, or you simply will not accept the new truth out of spiritual stubbornness, okay? Actually, there's more to it. It's called belief perseverance, and I'll talk about that in a minute, okay? Um, and then we talked about how take every area of your life and start with the ones you're struggling with and see what all of the beliefs you have 
the the positive little birdie on your shoulder or Holy Spirit or Scripture or conscience, whatever you want to call that, and the negative little birdie on your shoulder that is Satan or one of his demons in your voice lying to you about what you should do or not do. Okay? Um, okay. So, let me erase some of the stuff on the board and then we're going to try to show you where you are today. Exactly where you are in your spiritual journey. Okay, uh, I'm back. I left some of the stuff here to remind us where we are. You're still on your journey. This is still kind of where we've come from. Um, here's the problem. Here's the solution. It's all about your beliefs. We need to keep all of that uh, on the maybe on the back burners of the stove eye, but we're not ready to move them off the stove completely yet until we wrap this up of where you are. And then uh, another thing we need to keep in mind all the time is that the whole point was never guilt or innocence. Remember? There won't be one person in hell because of sin. Everyone in hell will be there for not accepting the love of God, which is a free gift. Sin's been paid for. In fact, it was paid for before you were ever born. Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundations of the world. Okay, And that's one of the biggest mistakes we make that keep us tied to the law which keeps us in spiritual, mental, and emotional bondage. Alright? So we've got to get free from the law. Alright? Which is, I believe, the primary reason Jesus came. To usher us from the old law to the new. The old being uh, sin, guilt, shame, condemnation. The new being grace, forgiveness, the kingdom, and and freedom from the law. Okay. All right. So the whole point was never guilt or innocence. It was always about truthful beliefs that lead to love. And that's why um, um, that's why John 3.16 is has been Everywhere, even on NFL football games, probably every single game that's been televised over the last 30 or 40 years. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He didn't say love there. Okay? He said belief. Now he tells us it's about love, but belief is the vehicle that takes us to love versus condemnation, the law, etc. So you want to change these things that are impossible to change is because you have to change an internal heart state belief. And those things are hard to change because the unconscious mind prioritizes the negative ones. It prioritizes the trauma. It protects them, literally, from being healed. And I believe that's what scripture calls the old man or the flesh. Okay? Uh, Paul in Romans 7, when I do what I don't want to do, don't do what I do want to do, it's not me doing it. It's sin living in me. Okay? And that's the old man. Alright? Okay. Alright, so let me uh, reference a 
couple of things here. Let me grab my glasses. Uh, some research, okay? We've talked a lot about scripture. Let's bring in some scientific research. We've brought in a little, but let's take a look at some more because I don't think you understand yet how big a quicksand you may be in and that your thinking of your problems is normal when in reality they're not normal. They're a malfunction. And you've got to quit thinking of them as normal and thinking of them, okay, this is an emergency. If I'm going to have the life, the, my best life possible or something close to it, i I, I got to quit messing around here and find a way out of this pit. Find a way out of these uh, uh, bonds that I'm tied up with that is the law. And, and has me in bondage. And you feel in bondage with negative emotions, negative thoughts, uh, can't do what you want to do, can't go on the diet that you want to go on, can't give up the alcohol, can't start doing things proactively to help people in your family, uh, can't deal with something in your own past, etc. Okay? We've got to get away from the law in order for that to happen and to get to our best life. Alright, um, scientific. this is Scientific American, one of the most highly regarded scientific journals uh, in the world. Um, they're very highly regarded. They don't just say anything. They are on the conservative side. They want proof before they're going to say something. So, Scientific American, um, and the title of the article is What Experts Wish You Knew About Your Memories. Okay? What Experts Wish You Knew About Your... Uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I misread that. What Experts Wish You Knew About False Memories. Okay? Which means you have a real memory, but it never happened. It, you're remembering it wrong. Okay, and um, and and the research is pr approximately fifty percent of all memories that we have have errors, untruth, or lies in them. Fifty percent, five zero percent, half of your memories. So when you think of, oh, I, yeah, I remember this or that. Um, Man, it's coin flip. Whether you're remembering what really happened or that's not what really happened. Your unconscious mind has uh, photoshopped that memory and what you're seeing is not really the truth of that. Okay? So, uh, that's, that's everybody. That's not worst case. That's you, me, everybody. 50% in error. Well, how do you know what's in error? Let's, let's go forward. And I believe we'll get there. How do you know? All right. Um, this is uh, this is an article in the Boston Globe, um, July eleventh, two thousand ten, and the title is of it is "How Facts Backfire." Okay, and uh, and. The psychological phenomenon, they call it belief perseverance. Alright? And what belief perseverance is, is when you hold a wrong belief and you are presented facts that prove 
that's a wrong belief. But instead of changing your belief, it causes you to believe your old erroneous belief even more than you did before you were presented with the facts that prove it's wrong. It's unbelievable. And, and they found that this mechanism is operating in all of us. Uh, it's very rare that someone doesn't have belief perseverance. So what in your life, which of your beliefs are belief perseverance? They're, they're in error, 50% remember? They're in error. It's not the truth you're remembering anyway. And presented with the facts, and you can recognize them as the facts. You simply dig in your heels, la 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 la, and say, no, I am not going to believe that, even though the facts bear it out, and in reality, your heart bears it out. That your belief is wrong. But in spite of all of that, kind of like a, a, a stubborn donkey, not changing that belief. And, and they found that this was very common in most of us. All right? Um, here's an article published in The Atlantic, uh, 2016. And the title of it is, There's No Such Thing as Free Will. And this is based on a study, and uh, I should have brought the National Geographic in. The National Geographic did a special edition called the Owner's Manual for the Brain. All right? And that special edition revolved around this same study, which uh, The Atlantic has entitled, There's No Such Thing as Free Will. So what they found in the study, and this took years, is that approximately one second before you make any significant decision, one second, there's an electrical spike in the brain. Very consistent. Not sometimes, all the time. Uh, anything that is a significant decision. Now, maybe not about um, do I use this toothpaste or that toothpaste. May or, that may or may not qualify. But anything significant, like, ah, I'm late and I'm supposed to be in charge of the garbage and it's overflowing, but I'm going to be late. So do I change the garbage, do I empty the garbage, or do I ignore it and go on to work and maybe cause Hope to have to empty it. That's not her job. And, and for her to have negative thoughts toward me for not doing my job and prioritizing my stuff over her stuff, or do I change the garbage? Well, that is a significant decision because of the possible repercussions. It's either choosing, in reality, it's either choosing love or selfishness, seek pleasure, avoid pain. It's not about the garbage. It's choosing love versus uh, self-interest, okay? Um, well, one second, as, as soon as I see that garbage can, in one second there's an electrical spike in my brain, and the spike, they've, they've followed it down till they finally found it and confirmed it. The spike is my unconscious mind mandating what my decision will be. 
and then I think consciously with my conscious intention that I'm weighing the facts and making a decision. No, I'm not. My unconscious mandated, no, do not do the trash, get on to work. If, if worst case, if, if Hope gets irritated, she'll get over it and you can apologize. Okay? But get on to work because you're already late and blah, 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 blah. When in reality, I should have just gotten up earlier. So I wasn't that rushed and I could do my job and, and show my love for Hope and not cause any issues between us. Alright? But my unconscious mandated for me not to do the loving thing. Now why in the world would it do that? Okay? Because the number one job of your unconscious mind is to keep you alive. And it doesn't care if it overreacts. If it overreacts, you're still alive. If it underreacts, you may be dead. Okay? So, it, it doesn't care, really, what's right or wrong. All it cares about is keeping homeostasis. Is, okay, we've got lots of problems here, but we're getting by. And if we start changing and doing everything for hope the way that we feel like we are supposed to because of love, then maybe we won't be happy anymore and the status quo won't be okay. Okay? So I got to take care of myself here. Now, this is all hypothetical, but that is stuff I've thought in those similar situations thinking I was making the decision. When in reality, I wasn't. My unconscious was mandating the decision. And the unconscious always prioritizes the trauma and negative memories over the positive ones. Always. Because that could potentially be a life or death situation. Okay? Alright. So, you think you're making your own decisions about your day and whether to choose love or self-interest, whatever, when in reality a lot of it is automatic programming uh, and you're really being tricked into making the wrong decisions over and over and over to maintain the status quo rather than to go out on our adventure, seek the truth, find it, become free from the law, live a life of, of out there and risk and and excitement and danger and pain and all of the above versus let's stay here and stay comfortable and do five hours of TV at night and these other things that keep us going. Okay, get through another day rather than every day is this wonderful, fantastic gift that I'm so excited to uh, see what happens today. Because you never know on the love path. Okay? Um, this study is absolutely incredible. Okay? Um, this was 2016, and the title of the article is Paraplegics Are Learning to Walk with Virtual Reality. Um, what they discovered in this study is that paraplegics who've been in a horrible accident of some kind and they're now paralyzed, they no longer have a picture in their mind of how to walk. 
before the accident, they had a memory. They had a picture. The, the right brain works by pictures. The unconscious works by pictures and images, not words. Well, before the accident, they had a, an image, a picture of how to walk correctly. After the accident, they no longer have a picture. That was the first breakthrough is we never knew that before. All right. So what they did is with um, virtual reality, they gave them a new picture of successfully walking. And um, paraplegic after paraplegic after paraplegic starts to have them uh, feeling and impulses in their legs. They're able to walk with an exoskeleton. Some of them actually get up out of the wheelchair and walk with a walker or cane. Something that uh, is impossible as of 10 years ago. But this is further research than that. And, and, and it's literally happened where these paraplegics are, are having the feeling again and being able to do uh, stuff they could never do before. And the only difference before and after is they were given a new belief in the form of a picture of how to walk. And when they look at that picture of how to walk, they have some degree of belief, hey, I know how to do that now. And their body starts to respond. Okay, absolutely unbelievable stuff and confirmation of what was in Scripture all the time. If you believe, nothing will be impossible for you. Okay. All right. Um, Now, let's get to where you are right now. And here's how I like to think about it. Um, Let me... All right. Okay, Um, this is love A. Make that stick out a little. And this is love B. All right, let me ask you a question before we start this. Um, If you had one wish Let's say Aladdin's genie came to you in a miraculous way and you're in a room and the doors are closed and all the windows are shut. No one will ever know what happens in this room except you. All right? Total secret. But in this room, Aladdin's genie comes to you or God comes to you or a magician. I don't, I don't know, but someone that has the power to do it and says, I will give you one wish. Okay? You can wish for almost anything you want. You can't wish for more wishes, but just about anything else 
you wish it, you've got it. Okay? Um, how do you, what do you wish for? Uh, let me go a little further. The, uh, the genie says, um, you only get one wish in your entire lifetime and you only have 10 seconds to tell me what the wish is or you lose it forever. So you can't Google it. You can't call anybody. You've got to decide right now off the cuff what you would wish for. Okay? So in that scenario, what would you wish for? Okay? One wish in your entire life, can never have it again. Um, what do you wish for? Okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be quiet for 10 seconds. And I'd like you to close your eyes and imagine that situation. And then when 10 seconds is up, I'm going to say time's up, open your eyes, and then write down or write it in your mind so that you'll remember it, what you would wish for right now today in that scenario. You wish for uh, $100 million, you've got it. You wish for a health issue to be gone, you've got it. You wish for some great success, uh, being a huge uh, uh, rock and roll star or uh, someone famous or someone unbelievably wealthy or someone who's thought of as being uh, a wonderful Mother Teresa type or whatever, okay? You, you ask for that, you got it, okay? What would you wish for, all right? So... Close your eyes. Imagine the situation. All right, time's up. Write down what you would wish for with that one wish. Okay? Some of you have heard this before from me, from some of the foundational material or the spiritual laws. I apologize for the repeat, but I really feel like if this material for the new Jesus is going to be freestanding, this has to be in it too, okay? And, and I'm going to try to go to some different, uh, maybe, conclusions than you've heard of from it. Okay, so what'd you wish for, all right? Uh, we're going to come back to that and, and tie that in in a minute, all right? So don't forget that. Write it down, please. Okay. So, here's love A and here's love B. And the way I grew up, the way I grew up is if I did something right, I would get a check mark. And if I did something wrong, I would get an X mark. Okay? And all through the day, every day, year after year, same thing. Do something right, get a check mark, do something wrong, get an X mark, okay? And almost everyone I have ever met say they grew up this way, that this was their programming early in life and, and for most people still today. Do something right, you get a check. Do something wrong, you get an X. And then everyone in their mind and heart has a percentage Okay, a percentage of check marks to X marks where I'm still saved, 
I can feel good about myself in comparison to other people. Um, and I believe I'm an okay person. I can have self-worth, uh, uh, feel secure, significant, at least to a good enough degree, and, and live my life. All right? My, my uh, percentage was... 90%. In order for, for me to feel good about myself, I needed to have 90% check marks and 10% or less X marks. Okay? Now, Hope, my wife, her percentage was 100%. So even though I... My... my uh, my thing looked kind of like this. Okay, here's kind of how my chart looked. I never measured up to 90%. My nickname growing up was Dennis the Menace. Okay? Um, but Hope, Hope on the other hand, her chart looked... This is how mine looked. And, and, and I was nowhere near the 90%. But hopes looked like this. Hang on. Here's how hopes looked. Okay, it's probably 99%. Guess what? Her identity worth uh, significant security, all of that, was way below mine, even though her chart, compared to mine, looked, un looked fabulous. Why? Because her percentage was 100%. So that one sin that she remembered when she was about 10 years old, taking one brown paper bag at a checkout, for her Barbie accessories and sticking it in her pocket and then getting to the car and just busting, bawling, and weeping because she had stole something in her mind. Dad makes her take it right back in. She's crying. She gives the guy the sack and the uh, guy at the hardware store says, Honey, those bags are free. You didn't steal anything. You can have as many as you want. Here, take some more. They're free to everybody. Okay? Well, the interesting thing, even after he told her that, to her, what she felt is that it was guilt, shame, that she was not good enough, she did not measure up, she was not significant, she was not secure, quite the opposite, etc., from an internal chart like this. Well, how can that be? Because her mark was 100%. And to her, that one thing means she's toast. There's really nothing she can do about it. Now, logically, when she reads the Bible, she reads about grace, and she kind of knows that and accepts it intellectually, but she never feels it. When she, she feels like 
she does not measure up and is not good enough. Okay? So, this is love A. If you do good, you get good. If you do bad, you get bad. And overall, at any given time, your percentage better be above whatever your benchmark is or no matter what, you're going to feel bad about yourself. Negative emotions, negative thoughts, negative chemicals and hormones in your body and brain, stress, etc. Okay? So that's love A. And love A has known, is known by a lot of different names. Uh, reap what you sow, karma, action, reaction, Newton's three laws of motion, a body in motion stays in motion unless something hits it with enough power to change it. And then if number two happens and something does hit it with enough power to change it, for every action there's an equal opposite reaction. This is how everything in the natural world works. So it totally makes sense to our brains because that's how it works. You put your hand on the stove, you get burned. You throw a rock and it makes a splash. Okay? That's how everything works. Right? Okay. So then here comes God after thousands and thousands of years of the old covenant. Alright? And Jesus comes on the scene and is there to usher in love be. Or what scripture calls grace or the new covenant. Okay? And in this new system, um, it works a lot of the same way. If you do good, you get a check mark. If you do bad, there's an X mark. Okay? Um, at least as far as your memory and what you've done or not done. Okay? The difference is in love B, if you do good, you get good. But if you do bad, you still get good long term. And the percentage for love B is zero percent. Has nothing to do with sin or not sin. Has nothing to do with guilt or shame. Remember, the whole point was never guilt or innocence. Sin's been paid for. It's belief in love. And this one is built, love be, on belief. And that's where Paul was asked the, asked the, the question rhetorically. Was Abraham justified by what he did or because he believed? And Paul said it was because he believed. Okay? And so, not, not 90% of my sins have been paid for. 100%'s been paid for. Okay? And for hope, now she measures up because 100% has been paid for, which even wipes out this one when she was 10 years old and changes her whole paradigm. Okay? So, let me ask you the question, which one of these are you living
Okay? Which ones do you feel? When you do something you know is a sin or is going to hurt someone else or is unkind or whatever, what do you feel? Do you feel guilt and condemnation? Well, if you do, then you can be guaranteed this is where you are. Why? Because there's no condemnation now in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. Okay? Well, if there's no condemnation, then that means there's no guilt. And there's no guilt because there's no sin, at least, at least not one that I'm guilty of. So, in love A, this chart is all mine. Okay? And that's what I think, that's what I feel, that's what I believe, etc. But in love B, this one is not me. This is Jesus's chart. Okay? So every time I sin, yeah, it's another sin that has to be paid for, but it's not written under my name, it's written under Jesus's name, and he did pay for it 2000 years ago. So this so not only is this not under my name, but even if it was, these have all been paid for. So there's no guilt or condemnation when there's no sin because it's been paid for. Because 100% of my sin was paid for. Not 90 and even in hopes, not 99. 100. Okay? Um... Hoping I had uh, three miscarriages before we were able to have children. And we wanted children from day one and we're so excited to be parents. We had both dreamed of that as children. And then Hope had three miscarriages over six plus years. And um, we thought, okay, it's just not in the cards for us. We're just, we're not going to have kids. Um, and, um, uh, and then Harry came along. Okay, who we consider sort of a miracle baby, and I'll go into that story another time. But I'm already too long today going through this. But but when I was standing there by myself after Harry was born, looking through the glass window of the hospital nursery and looking at Harry in the little plastic um, bassinet thing, this wave of fear came over me. And I thought, I do not know how to do this. I, 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 I'm, I'm going to screw this up because I screw everything up, okay? And, and, and all of a sudden, I was like terrified, okay? And what I heard in my mind, it was not an audible voice. I know it was a thought in my mind, but I believed it was from God, what I heard was, Alex, if you can just accomplish two things, you'll have done okay. Number one, Harry's physically alive when he turns 18. And number two, that when he turns 18, he knows 100% with no doubt at all that he is completely, totally, 
forever loved just the way he is. If you can accomplish those two things, you would have done okay. Okay? And then I calmed down. I thought, okay, maybe I can do that. But I had this thought um, during that time as well. What if, what if a genie or God came to me right then and there in that hospital room when Harry was laying there and I was having, uh, almost having a panic attack over being a good parent? What if God or the genie had come to me and said that something like this? Alex, in Harry's life, here's how it'll work for him. If he does good, he'll get good. If he does bad, he'll get bad. And if he measures up on his percentage, then he will be, a, be able to think of himself as a good person. He will be saved, even if he's not, you know, doing all that great, if he measures up to his percentage. But if he doesn't measure up to his percentage, then when he does bad, he'll get bad. And he probably will have guilt and condemnation because he doesn't measure up. But, but, and this is still God or genie talking, I'll make you a deal right now only. This is God or genie saying this to me on the day Harry was born. Hypothetically, today only, right now only, I'll make a deal. And if you make this deal, then if Harry does good, he'll get good. But also if he does bad he will also get good, long-term at least, so that it doesn't matter whether he does right or wrong, he will still get good long-term. He will not have condemnation or guilt, but love, joy, peace, thankfulness, gratitude, and there is no percentage he has to measure up to. 100% has already been paid for him so his benchmark is zero. So he will always feel and believe that he is significant, secure, saved, a good person, okay, all of that. Okay, so that's what you'll get, Alex, if you make this deal right now today. That instead of Harry living under this system, he'll live under this system. What do you think I would pay for that? if that really happened to me at that hospital 20-something years ago, how much do you think I would pay for that for Harry to be able to live here instead of here? Think about it. How about for your children? What would you pay? How about for yourself? Well, my honest answer is I would pay anything for Harry to have this instead of this. I'd, I'd give my arm, I'd give my leg, I'd give my life, my house, my money, anything I can name. I, I would pay that for Harry to be able to live here instead of here. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's exactly what God did. He paid. And he paid with the thing that hurt him the worst and the most possible. His beloved son going through something that none of us will ever come close to going through. The torture and ridicule and unbelievably horrible death and being spit on and beaten and made fun of and everything, okay? 
And God knew that that was going to be the cost. And He paid it anyway so that you can have this and I can have this. And to me, that's what Scripture says. Okay? This is the old law. Okay? This is the new covenant. Alright? This one is love and grace. This one is law and sin. Okay? Under the old law came sin. Under the new law, love and grace. Okay. So, which are you living? And, and one, of the be- one of the best ways to tell that is when you do something wrong, what do you feel? Do you feel guilt and condemnation? Or do you feel gratitude or do you feel disappointment for a little bit because you messed up and caused Jesus more pain by putting more on him when he went to the cross to pay for it, okay? Disappointment, but not despair, not anger, not, no, disappointment and then gratitude and thankfulness that you've already paid for this by what was cost you the most, okay? So, I believe you can choose to live either one of these. You can choose to live under this system, and this is exactly what you'll get. And if you do good, you'll feel good about yourself. If you do bad, you'll feel bad about yourself. If you don't measure up to your percentage, then you probably feel like you're really never completely okay. And you always wonder and have doubts about your salvation and whether you're really good enough and and that sort of thing, okay? And it'll be like a yo-yo. You know, do good, feel good. Do bad, feel bad. And, and that sort of thing. You can choose that. And that is what you'll get. That'll be your experience. Or you can choose the new covenant. You can choose love and grace because that is now the system in place by God planned and envisioned before the foundation of the world. Okay? So now it's your choice. You can live here. But to do it, you have to give up the end result. Whether it's painful or pleasurable, You have to give it up and say, no, that is no longer my criteria for what I think about and what I do. My criteria is, is it love-based or fear-based? Okay? And I'm going to choose love in the present moment, giving up the end result. That is here. Okay? All right. Let's go back to the genie question. And, and I'm not done yet. I'm going to try to tell you how to um, choose and start living here instead of here. Okay? But this is one measure of where you are. Which of these are you living under? Okay? Alright, the genie question. Um, what did you wish for? Uh, I've, I've asked that question more than I've done anything else professionally in my life. I've asked it all over the world with all different size groups, thousands and one person at a time and everything in between for 30 years. Okay? And in my experience, about 99% of people, it's actually more than that, answer the genie question wrong. 
And you may be thinking, well, how can you answer it wrong? It's, it, it's either you're answering it truthfully or you're not. Well, yeah, that, that's right. Uh, yeah, whatever the answer, I hope it's the truth or it's ridiculous to even answer the question. But your honest answer will show you where you're living. Okay? All right? So, um, how did you answer the genie question? And in my experience over 30 years, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, 99% give the wrong answer. Here's how it breaks down. 99% of people answer the genie question with a physical or external circumstance. Uh, money, things that money can buy, health, uh, things like that. Physical and external circumstances. Okay? Less than 1% of people answer the genie question with an internal or heart state. Love, joy, peace, etc. Okay? And, and the way you answer shows you where you are. And here's how it works. Um, if your answer to the genie question is a physical or external circumstance, here's how it works. First of all, I need to apologize. I tricked you. Okay? I'm sorry. The only way I know how to do this, where the answer comes out right and correct, is to trick you. Alright? The trick was, the genie question is really asking you what is the number one goal in your life right now. Only if I ask it that way, many of you would give a different answer. Okay? You would give the right answer even though that's not the way you're living. Okay? But rest assured, how you answered the genie question is the number one goal in your life right now. Or you would not have answered that way. Okay? So, if the number one goal of your life right now, even if it's unconscious, is a physical or external circumstance, here's what happens. If you get it, if you get that goal, if you get that thing you would ask the genie for, and most people don't get it, but if you get it, here are the possibilities. Number one is the phenomenon of your ladder leaning against the wrong building. Okay? You get to the top and it's, oh, wait a minute. Um, this is the wrong destination. Uh, how did I get here? This doesn't help me at all. So go back down and start over. That's the one possibility. You, you, you get that goal, but immediately realize, no, this is not doing it for me. This, uh, this didn't do for me what I thought it would. Okay? The second possibility is, woohoo! Yes! Sorry. For 60 seconds, an hour, a day, a week, a month, three months, 
But three months is extremely rare. Almost never lasts three months. Yeah, like winning the lottery or something. You're, woohoo, I got it. But then over a short period of time, you realize it did not do for me what I thought it would do for me. I thought if I got that new car, man, every day, everything would be, I thought if I got that house, I thought if I got those new clothes, I thought if I went over and did that good deed, that, and on and on and on, okay, trying to do enough right and little wrong so that you measure up to your percentage so that you feel you're a good person or okay, okay? But for most people, it never works because your percentage is all a little bit higher than your actual actions. And even if it's not, it's still a roller coaster. Do good, feel good. Do bad, feel bad. Okay? All right? So those are the two possibilities. Your ladder leaning against the wrong building and there's not even a woo-hoo. You immediately know this is not going to do it for me. Or woo-hoo, but then shortly thereafter, I'm right on with the next goal that I think will do it for me internally. And I just go from goal to goal to goal to goal to goal to goal for 30, 40 years and nothing ever does it for me internally because none of those things can do it internally. Only love can. And right relationship with God can. Okay? So, and those are the, those, and both of those are if you get that thing that you want, that number one goal, what you would ask the genie for. Those are best case. If you, if you have a number one goal and you don't get it, that's when I see people go to full-blown hopelessness and despair and never recover. Okay? And, um, and by the way, the research support this out too. The, the research about um, expectations by Dr. Dan Gilbert in his book, Stumbling into Happiness. What they found is that... Um, expectation was a happiness killer. So having a goal that's a physical or circumstantial expectation kills your happiness. Why? Because it puts you into internal stress. What's the other name for stress? Fear. What is fear? Seek pleasure, avoid pain. What I want, when I want. And then I lie to get what I want or to get out of something I don't want. Okay? And then the, Harvard, uh, the other Harvard study, happiness equals love, full stop. This is not love. This is, this is earning it. This is doing good deeds and not doing bad things in order to earn right standing. Okay? Only no one can do it right. All have sinned and fallen, all have sinned and fallen short. All right? And that's why Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Okay, so um, that's, how, that's how love A works, okay? Um, the one thing that's not possible in love A is you work for that goal, you, whether it's a week or 10 years, 
you achieve it and it makes you content and fulfilled and love, joy, and peace internally long-term. Ladies and gentlemen, that is impossible in love A. It has never one time happened. It will never happen. It can't happen. Okay? Um, that's, that's the research, right? It, even, even science says it can't happen. Scripture says it can't happen too. Okay? Through the law comes more sin, which means more condemnation, guilt, etc. Okay? Through Jesus came love, grace, etc. Alright? So, the law never could deliver love and grace. Then why did I call it love A? Because when people are in my office and I say, what's the most important thing in your life? Not the genie question. Remember, that's the trick where they give me the answer even though they don't know they're giving me the answer. What if I ask them the obvious one? What's the most important thing in your life? They'll answer different. Oh, my wife, my children, whatever, okay? Um, they'll give the right answer the majority of the time. But that's not when we start asking detailed questions how they're living their life. They're living their life here and calling it love, okay? This is not love. This is law and earning it, condemnation, guilt, or reward for doing something good, but the reward is never enough, okay? So best case here, I'm angry, frustrated, um, all those things that come from fear, okay? All right, so let's finish this. There's, there's two other questions. The first one was, what would you wish for if, you, if God or the genie gave you one wish, all right? Second question, whatever you wish for, what would that do for you? What would that change in your life for the positive? And question number three is if you got that genie or God one, one wish, how would you feel? Okay, you might write those three questions down and you can go through this with someone that you love. Okay, what you really wanted all along was not the answer to question one if your answer was a physical or external circumstance. What you really want most of all, if your answer to the genie question was a physical or external circumstance, what you really want most is not that. It's not the money. It's not the health. It's not... It's the answer to question number three, how would you feel? the internal state, in your heart, internally. It's what we all want most. We just don't know it. Well, if what we want most is love, joy, peace internally, then how come 99 plus percent of people answer the genie question with a physical or external circumstance? That doesn't make any sense. 
If what we really want is love, joy, peace, how come 99% don't say love, joy, peace? Because they're tricked. Tricked by sin and Satan and his lies and the way nature works. Okay? They believe the people who, the 99% who answer a physical or external circumstance do it because they believe that physical or external circumstance will purchase for them the inward state of love, joy, peace, identity, worth, forgiveness, whatever. And that they have to have the circumstance in order to pay for that. Um, I was uh, doing a, a speaking thing at a big convention in California. There were uh, thousands of people there. And I was teaching this, and I invited someone to come up as a um, uh, as an example. And this lady raised her hand, probably about 55 years old or so. She came up and was willing to share her answers to the genie question with the group. And I her, her, her answer was millions of dollars to question number one. Question number two, what would that change in your life for the positive? Her answer was, I could uh, not have to work two jobs. I'd have more time with my kids. It'd be better for my health. We could take some vacation time. But mainly, the stress would just be greatly, greatly decreased. All right? And then I explained this to her, that that the physical or external circumstances never create the inward state long term. You're always going to feel like I need something I don't have. The external does not create the internal. The internal creates the external. It's backwards from the field of physics. Uh, William Taylor, a good friend of mine, head of the, uh, the physics department at Stanford for years, shared that with me one morning over breakfast. He said, the unseen is always the parent of the seen. The seen is never the parent of the unseen. Just doesn't work that way. Okay? So the internal state produces external results, not the other way around. Now, you can get a trauma, yeah, from physical and external circumstances, but that trauma is supposed to heal on its own. Uh, if we weren't so gunked up with 50% uh, of our internal data being in error, which fills up our stress barrel, okay? So the reason people don't answer the internal state is they don't think it's possible to have that unless their external circumstances are the way they want them, okay? And it's one of the greatest lies in the history of the world. It's not true. It was never true. Your, your internal heart state creates and, and manifests and acts on your external circumstances, not the other way around. Okay? Now, your external circumstances can make you sad. They can make you grieve. They can, that's, all that's true. All right? But if you're living here that will heal relatively quick and you'll even come out at a higher place for having gone through that in love versus law. Okay? Alright. Um, so, 
if, if, if your answer to the genie question was physical or external circumstance, chances are you won't get it. If you do get it, it cannot completely satisfy you and likely you will go from thing to thing to thing your whole life and always feeling like something's missing. Okay? On the other hand, if your answer to the genie question is an internal state, love, joy, peace, freedom, um, uh, an internal kind of heart happiness, not just like happy to get a present or win the lottery, but internal heart type happiness, um, great relationships as far as your part is concerned. If that's the number one goal, okay, then how does that change it? It changes it 100%. It changes it completely. Because if your goal is here, you usually don't get it. If you do, it won't satisfy you. If your goal is here, you virtually always get it. No bone or blood or tissue has to change for your inward state to go from anxiety, fear, anger, to love, joy, peace. All that has to change is an energy pattern in your memories. And those can change easily with the right tools or with uh, God, prayer, all kinds of stuff. Okay? Um, okay. So, love A versus love B. Where are you living? Or where are you living most of the time? Okay? It is possible to be living here, but every once in a while go over here, like if it's your children or something. It's possible to live here and to sort of lose your footing and slide back here. That's fine. That's the high road, low road, okay? Love B is the high road. Love A is the low road, okay? But basically, it's your choice which of these you live in by what you believe, okay? And most people don't even believe this is possible. Even, even Christians, even believers, they believe that they still are living here. Well, that happened in the New Testament too, at least a couple of times. In uh, the Galatians, Paul, I think it's Galatians 1, says, Who has bewitched you into believing another gospel? And the other gospel was the old law. They were going back to the old law and saying, You've got to do this, you can't do that, you've got to do this, you can't do that. And Paul said, you've been bewitched, you've been tricked into believing another gospel. Wow, pretty strong language. That was the old law. And then in uh, Corinthians, the Corinthian church was about to split over meat sacrifice to idols, um, the observance of holy days, and circumcision between the Jews and the Gentiles, and they were about to split. So they call in the great apostle Paul to pound his gavel and tell them who's right and who's wrong, and I believe both sides thought he would side with them. He didn't side with either one of them, all right? And what he said was just beautiful. He said, hey, if you want to observe the holy days, observe the holy days. If you don't want to observe them, don't observe them. If you want to, do, if you want to be circumcised, go ahead. Nothing wrong with that. If you don't want to be circumcised, that's fine. If you want to eat the meat, eat the meat. It's just meat, and God made it. 
all right, and made it for good purposes. The only reason not to eat the meat is you don't want a weaker brother to stumble, but that's kind of a separate issue. That doesn't apply to just anything, all right? If you don't want to eat the meat, don't eat the meat. So basically, he says none of the do's and don'ts that you guys are about to split over are even relevant. There's really not even a right or wrong. Do whatever you want. But the one thing you have to do is love and accept each other as brothers and sisters. That's the new law. All right? All right? So he's saying about this stuff, do whatever you want, but it's about this. It's about love, which has been ushered in through Jesus and God's incredible plan of grace. Okay, so... You can know where you are by how you answer the genie question. Did you answer it with a physical or external circumstance or an inward state? All right? And, and maybe you already knew the answer before I started talking about it today. If you did, it's not about knowing the right answer. It's about what would you actually do? What would you actually wish if you had that situation today? You might answer all day long that, oh, I would choose the inward state. I would choose love, joy, and peace. Would you really? <laughs> you know, I still struggle with myself as far as that goes. And I've been teaching this for a couple of decades now, all right? Most people, if they're really honest to the core of their being about having that one wish, only one in their life, they can wish for almost anything they want, in my experience, even when people understand the right answer, the great majority of them still, when they're honest, say, yeah, but you're right. I think if it happened right now, today, it would be $100 million. And then I would repent of that and, and try to get back right with God and live over here, but I'd have $100 million and I don't have to worry about money anymore, and I can buy all the, you know. Well, that, that proves that that person's living here, okay? Because they still have that mindset that money can buy the internal state, and it can't. Nothing can, all right? It is given freely. It is the free gift of God, okay? Purchased by the blood of Jesus. So, where you answer the genie question can tell you where you are. And you could be in different places about different issues. So you might ask that about several different issues, not just your life overall, and see how you honestly feel in your heart and would answer. A second one is, which of these are you living? Are you living love A or are you living love B? Okay? And that can show you where you are. Another one is, do you experience something in the anger family when something happens that you did not want to happen? Disappointment is fine, but anything in the anger family, anger, irritation, frustration, resentment, bitterness, all of that indicates you're living love A, not love B. I also have a brand new test called the True You Test that I've been working on for 30 years 
It's the only test of its kind in the world. It diagnoses your unconscious, subconscious, and ancestral issues. It takes about 15 minutes to take. It is a micro-expressions test. And if you go uh, check it out, there'll be a lot more information about what that is. But I needed a test to diagnose the unconscious and subconscious, but I couldn't find any that worked accurately. So I've been working on this for literally 30 years, and it's just releasing. So check it out. And it is an assets liabilities test. It'll show you that minus 10 to plus 10 of your unconscious, which is what's in control, subconscious, and even your ancestry. So check that out, but you can also use those other ways to determine as well. Better yet, do all of it to get a full, whole, complete picture of where you are so you know how to get to your destination. All right, let me come back around to one thing that we addressed earlier today, and that was the research that said, um, it was called the illusion of willpower. And the other study, what scientists wish you knew about your memories, that 50% of them are wrong and, and in error. Um, and the illusion of willpower was the one second spike before you make a decision. Well, how can you ever live a life of freedom, love, joy, peace, if your willpower doesn't matter and you're so full of lies that that's why you keep getting bad emotions, bad thoughts, wrong actions, whatever, because you've got 50% lies in here that every action, every emotion, every thought is being run through. And those 50% of lies skew the emotions, thoughts, chemicals, hormones, actions to the negative. So you've got to heal. You have to um, transform those wrong beliefs, wrong conclusions uh, based on love A, action, reaction, karma, reap what you sow. You have to heal those things. And, and they can heal and they do heal when you make a commitment to live in the way of love and the new covenant, grace, love be, um, they will heal. And, and we also have some tools, some mechanical hands-on tools that can heal those things in, in hours or days, not months or years that, that you can use. Okay? But when you heal your heart, uh, heal the lies, heal the anger, the low self-worth, whatever, and you pray and God heals that and the Holy Spirit heals it, and you, or you use some of the tools or whatever, then you do get to a certain extent your willpower back because you're choosing love. Okay, and that's what we're built for. We're built to choose love. All right? And that spike in your brain no longer controls you because you are consistently choosing what is love and truth based, and that's the way we're built to work. All right? So, what you what that research is showing basically is over 
thousands and maybe even hundreds of thousands of years a devolution, not evolution, a devolution in our memories. More and more errors, a higher and higher percentage that is incorrect inside of us that everything is being filtered through so we come out with negative stuff okay? We weren't built to live that way. It's a malfunction. It's a devolution. And as you go through this process and commit and change your beliefs and develop new truthful love-based beliefs, those things will heal and you will not just be a puppet on a string. You will now be truly free. And that's why it's so critical to get free from the law, okay? And, and and that's what I believe where we're headed. That's what love B is, is freedom from the law, um, etc. Another one that I love is uh, to show you where you are. Is do you automatically and naturally think, feel, and practice authentic kindness and truth? Think about that. Do you naturally, your default, internally and externally, think, feel, and practice telling the truth, standing for the truth, fighting for the truth, searching for the whole truth, and authentic kindness? You don't have to force yourself to be kind to someone. You would have to force yourself to not be kind. And when you are kind, it's not so that they'll like you. It's not so that you'll get anything back from that. It's simply coming out of who you are now, your heart state. And, and it happens without any effort and in all situations. Okay? So, those are several ways you can tell um, where you are. Um, which kind of love, the genie question, anything in the anger family, authentic truth and kindness or not. And then the last one I would say is peace. Peace is the only virtue you can't fake. You can fake love. You can fake joy. You can act happy when you're anything but happy. You can act loving when while you're acting in the loving way, you're thinking negative thoughts about that person. Okay? Uh, uh, patience. You can force yourself to do delayed gratification versus instant by your willpower, at least to some extent. Not good enough, but to some extent. You cannot fake peace, which means peace is a great diagnostic as kind of the uh, light on your dashboard that tells you how you're doing. So do an overall minus 10 to plus 10 peace on yourself. Okay, my overall, including everything in my life, and minus 10 is no peace at all. Okay? Anxiety, fear, 100%. That's minus 10. Plus 10 is 100% peace with no anxiety and fear. Almost everyone's in between. But where would you put yourself? Are you a minus 7? Are you at 0? Are you a plus 3? Okay? I would say that 
the intention and desire would be to get to plus seven and above and stay there. And the, and the majority of people that I've seen over the last 30 years, at least when they saw me at first, were in negative numbers. Okay? More, more um, anxiety and fear than peace. So that's another great indicator of where you are. All right? So I would take, I would use all of those uh, this week to see, okay, where am I? And how do I start choosing love B instead of love A? How do I adjust the genie question so that my focus now is not on physical and external circumstances and controlling in results based on seek pleasure, avoid pain? It's on love in the present moment. It's on the internal state of love, joy, and peace, not anything external or physical. Focus on what is unseen, not on what is seen. What is unseen is eternal. What is seen is temporary. Okay? Think about these things. What is true, lovely, excellent, worthy of praise, and the peace of God that passes understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So see, what are the natural thoughts you're having? Are they love, joy, peace? What's pure, lovely, excellent, worthy of praise? Or is it negative things? What is wrong? Um, gossip, uh, comparing yourself constantly. I'm either superior to them or inferior to them, and that determines how I feel about myself. And all. No, no, no. That's not think about love, joy, peace. That's the other side, where the peace of God does not guard your hearts and minds. You don't have peace. That's when you're in the negative numbers on the minus 10 to plus 10 on peace. Okay? So I would use every one of those diagnostics this week to determine where are you. And you can even say, okay, minus 10 to plus 10 on all of them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of, let me, let me change this so I can write one other thing. So here's minus 10, here's plus 10 on the peace scale, here's zero, okay? All right, so when it comes to love A versus love B, love A is the negative peace numbers, love B is the positive peace numbers, where are you? Okay, and maybe on, on this one, you're here. Alright, on the genie question, where are you? Alright, and if it's, you know, like a hundred percent physical and external circumstances, that'd be way over here. If it's, if it's um, sometimes physical and external, sometimes internal, uh, it's over here, but the great majority I've worked with, that number has been over here somewhere, the physical and external circumstances. Okay, anger or something in the anger family that shows that you have a wrong goal. Uh, maybe that's here. Alright? And then um, authentic truth and kindness. 
Where is that one? Verse, and, and you can be 100% kind externally and still be way over here because you're having to force yourself. Your internal is not truth and authentic kindness. It's negativity, but you're doing the kindness externally for social acceptability, to not rock the boat, to not create a problem, whatever. So then that one is wherever that one is. And then I would kind of get an average, all right? This one's minus seven, so add minus seven to minus five to minus three to plus one. And what do you get divided by four? And that's kind of where you are overall on, um, on the peace compass diagnostic scale, all right? Does that make sense? And, and, and one of these is peace versus anxiety itself. All right. Okay, so let me, let me make sure I don't leave anything out about this so that you can get a real clear picture of where you were. Okay. There's love A versus B. There's genie question. There's anger in the anger family. There's kindness and truth. And number five, there is peace or anxiety. Okay, so we've got four things there. Uh, we need a fifth one. Okay, so, so plot every one of these on the minus 10 to plus 10 and then average them to get your overall minus 10 to plus 10 in your life, all right? And that should give you a, a very accurate reading of where you are in your life and, and to some extent, who. Although, in this one, you're almost certainly believing a whole lot of lies about yourself that are not true, okay? Remember, we went through all the things from Scripture. You are the righteousness of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. God gives you a new heart. You wait on Him, and you exchange your strength, thoughts, feelings, emotions, beliefs for His. You mount on wings of eagles, etc., you are blameless. You are a son of God. You are all those things that we've talked about already. Okay? Um, so, plot these. That tells you where you are, who you are, God makes clear in Scripture. But, for most of these things, like if you're living over here in love A, which I call fake love, you're not going to believe those truths about yourself, for the most part, from Scripture. You're not going to believe you're blameless and righteous and, and perfect and innocent. And, you know, that's at least not what you're going to feel. You may try to believe it intellectually, but it's not what you're going to feel. You're going to feel guilt, condemnation, unforgiveness, stuff like that. Okay, so you're believing a lie. So there is a who you are that is non-negotiable truth. And that's who God says you are, which we've already been through. Satan wants you to believe all the lies 
And these are his methods of attack so that even if he can't keep you from being saved, he can keep you over here and miserable, which greatly increases the odds that you won't affect anyone else on the high-low road. Because he wants that low road to remain the wide one and nine out of ten people on that one. Okay? So the last thing he wants is you living over here in love and switching person after person from low road to high road or from love A to love B. That's his biggest nightmare. So all of these things are to create anger, anxiety, to take away your peace, to take away your identity and worth, make you believe lies about yourself, to make you miserable and ineffective at helping other people live in love be and experience what the studies found was possible with love, truth, etc. Okay? But if you know the truth, the truth will make you free. It doesn't say set you free, which would be instantly. It says make you free, which is gradually over time. Okay? And I believe what I'm presenting to you here is the truth, both according to this and this, the scientific research and studies, both together in perfect harmony, which makes sense because God made nature too. Okay? All right. So I hope that makes sense. I realize this session has been choppy. Uh, it's because I felt like I had to slip this one in. We've been talking about beliefs and your choices. And we sort of switch gears a little bit today to talk about where you are right now so that you can have a start point and a destination. And it's a lot easier to choose that high road if you also know where you are now. So that's why we sort of slipped today in. But next week, we're going to go back and pick up where we were with the beliefs and choices and, and go back to how to do it right. Okay? This is more what than how. Alright? So next week, we'll get back more into how. And let me make a note of myself about that. Next week, how to go from the low road to the high road, from love A to love B, from negative 10 to zero on the peace meter, from zero to, to zero to plus 10 on the peace meter. And, and you absolutely, positively can do that. That's the good news. That's the gospel. That's what... That was Jesus' plan before the world was ever started. That's why Jesus died. It is available to you. has been all the time, but chances are pretty good you believe some lies that have kept you over here. Why? Because 9 out of 10 people in my experience do. And my mission, I believe, is to help you get over here, over here, over here. Okay. Sorry, I know this has uh, been long, and I said earlier I wanted these to be short. 
I think once we get all this foundational stuff done, they will be much shorter. And so I apologize, but I've had a number of people contact me saying I'm having a hard time getting my head around this. And so what we talked about today, I wasn't necessarily going to talk about in the New Jesus. It's in the foundational material and the spiritual laws of nature recordings. But based on feedback, I felt like, no, 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 no. This is a piece that we're missing. And for this to be freestanding, I had to include this. So um, sorry about that. And next week we'll get back to where we were and how to do it to get here, here, and here. So thank you so very much, and please continue to send me questions, comments. It's making sense. It's not making sense. Um, I meant for this to start discussion, to start some people getting together in community and commitment and communion and things like that. So um, any feedback is greatly appreciated. Have a wonderful, blessed day.